that today is VE Day. The boys the are crowd queen waves from the belt. Eagle has landed. Apollo 11 has landed. Tearing down the Berlin Wall. Since 1929, the Monks Investment Trust's mission has been to help investors grow their wealth. We aim to do this today by taking a three-dimensional approach to growth. Cyclical growth, rapid growth, and steady growth. The World Wide Web. Wall Street is in turmoil as stocks crash. The Monks Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Capital at risk. Hello, my name's John Schaefer, and welcome to The Wealth Show from CityWire. I'm here today with Nick Hutton, head of UK distribution at BlackRock. Nick, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, John. So most asset managers have been really struggling recently from a sales perspective. What's the music like when you're pitching to clients? No, we're obviously in a really, really challenging environment. Um, I think there is one huge competitor to the asset management products that we have not had for a long period of time, and that's cash. Yep. Um, so I think, you know, you couple people being able to get 5 6% on deposit um, with the uncertainty around the global macro environment and you get an an obvious an obvious pullback of people actually probably wanting to put money into a balanced portfolio or or or, for, or to save and so that definitely is going to weigh on is is weighing on the asset management industry you know it's certainly not the only thing um, but it has been probably the the major the major change that we have not seen in 10 years. Do you think wealth managers have lost faith a bit as well, or is it just their own clients that they're struggling to get them investors in? Yeah, I don't feel that wealth managers have lost faith in asset management. We're still having really, really constructive conversations. Actually, I really feel like the investment proposition is generally really evolving and evolving at pace from something that has actually probably been a bit too commoditized. You know, certainly at BlackRock and I know in other asset managers, there's actually been a massive amount of innovation going on in terms of product development. We're starting to see a bit of that subscription to innovation coming through. So it's not necessarily, I think, wealth managers losing faith with mm. asset management product. It's more there is a big competitive product now. Yeah. Um, and, and then to the second part of the question, you know, the, the end investor... Um, you know, we are we are in a really, you know, different and difficult environment. You know, the cost of living crisis, you know, affects, you know, a vast majority of this population. Um, and with that comes, I think, the dynamic that you're seeing that, you know, asset managers are struggling for AUM. Um, not all asset managers are struggling for AUM, but... No, you know, no I think maybe, maybe I'd, I would even... Follow on. I mean, it seems like BlackRock's not doing too too badly in the, in, in the UK. I mean, I was having a look at the Morningstar data. It looks like you've had about what, 12 odd billion year to date. Um, I'm assuming that's mostly passive products. Uh, it is. Um, I think um, you know. Back to that point on um, on product evolution, there is a clear growth. We I see a clear growth in indexing in the UK. Mm. I think typically. We'd always thought of wealth portfolios being between 15 and 20% in index. So we are still very much an active market. But we're definitely seeing that, you know, that percentage weighting tick up. And if I think back to like RDR 10 years ago, and if we're at 15 and 20 to 15 to 20% today, and it's taken 10 years to get there, I probably think that level doubles in half the time from here. 
and, yep. and you know and you know there are many reasons for that and we we can we can go into that but you know to your flow question yes we we have been the beneficiary of increased indexation no doubt um we have we tilted our business model slightly to really focus on the financial advisor that wants to outsource the investment proposition a few years ago. So we launched low-cost multi-asset models, and those have those have gained in popularity as well. So that's been a good boost to our to our flow. And then, you know, I, I'm fortunate to sit in this seat working for a firm that has a very broad investment platform. Um, and we mentioned alpha we have some really really strong high conviction alpha spots on our platform that have really shown demonstrable alpha with portfolio managers that are very well known in the market but are people buying them and and, and we are seeing and we are yeah, yeah we are seeing that there is i think you know there is a lot of there is more money in motion now than there has been for a long period of time um and that you know after a 10 year equity bull market with ultra low yields so whilst the market, the wealth market might be slowing in terms of net new business. There is still two and a bit trillion dollars of managed assets in this market. And so you don't necessarily need categories to certainly be growing. You are able to capture money in motion. But you, that, that line between winning and losing is really, really thin now. You know, yeah. you've got to be you know, all the top quartile, certainly top decile, probably, but really, uh, you know, that ability to show that you can generate alpha through different market cycles. And that's what's going to be really important in the years ahead. Drilling down onto the wealth managers themselves, um, what are they buying? Uh, well, I think today the bid is 20 year treasuries, yeah. diversified commodities. We've actually seen a bit of a bid back on, on US equities, which hasn't been the case all year, actually. We actually saw um, people allocating away from, from US equities at the beginning of the year in fear of recession, et cetera. But actually, we've seen a bit more of a rotation back into the US. And, and when I, these observations I'm making come from looking at our uh, ETF book, uh, because our ETF book typically, our ETF and index book is typically the book that is used to reflect tactical asset asset allocation views yeah. and 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 that it's often you know i i, f I feel and we feel is can be sort of a proxy for yeah it's a, it, yeah really? exactly john it's yeah. a bit of a you know it can be a bit of a leading indicator yeah. and there is there is certainly look i think we have for so many years for the last 10 years there has been a pretty strong consensus amongst asset allocation and from when the conflict started last february you know, that consensus is, you know, there is not such a consensus view, which will drive a lot of dispersion and will drive a lot of different performance outcomes. Um, but, you know, I, th I think one of the other probably observations that I'd mention is, I think the, the persistently strong dollar has definitely weighed on emerging mar market assets mm. over the last couple of months. Uh, now, everything I'm saying is obviously very much more a tactical asset allocation view, but um, and gilts has been the bit has been a big trade, of course, for wealth managers this year. Sure. And, and what 
don't they? Like you mentioned, emerging market equities there, sort of in the doldrums. Uh, I, I yeah. assume things like sort of high yield, etc. Yeah, so yeah, so so high yield has obviously been in a lot tougher place. But again, there are conversations going on today about some people thinking, is there some relative value there? Uh, but local currency, emerging market debt, emerging markets, anyone borrowing in dollars um, has certainly probably been more uh, susceptible to being rotated out of a portfolio. I think the other thing, the other big area of wealth management, the other area of um, wealth management portfolios that has been, you know, susceptible to being redeemed and rotated out has been the absolute return sector, you know, long short equity yeah. products, whose typical target return has been six to 8% when they do carry a slightly higher fee structure, you know, those products have have naturally and totally understandably been, you know, hard to keep in a portfolio when the alternatives sure. that we have touched on um, can provide you that with, you well, know... Much cheaper. Well, <laughs> not not only that, but I think and the more, risk. you know, less <laughs> risk is more yeah. where I'd have gone yeah. rather, than, rather than the cost element. Yeah. But yeah. obviously the cost element is a factor in portfolio construction. Let's have a look at your um, sort of push to partnerships. So you've, you've got this partnership with Monza at the moment to um, have some of your funds on, on its platform and with Lloyd's as well, that was even more recent. Um, why was that decision taken? Um, kind of, are, you, are you expecting a lot out of it? And, and are, are, you <laughs> kind of, are, you, are you kind of eyeing new other partnerships in, in a similar way, sort of other other sort of uh, platforms that, that are sort of doing a similar thing, other maybe challenger banks? That yeah, those, uh, um, okay. Sort of a lot in that question. A lot in that question. Let, let, let's look. start with, you know, why, yeah, did you, yeah. why did you go for the decision in the first place? No, I think, look, um, the, the recent partnership announcements with Monzo and Lloyds, I think are just a massive reflection on two big underlying trends in our market and one absolute need. So those two trends are... There is, and we see a rise in uh, digital and self-directed and acceptance of investing digitally. We see that from the fact there are now nine and a half million um, D2C accounts. That's up 39% since 2020. And I know that you're probably itching to say Hargreaves reported today and you know, I think that's certainly a pause rather than a pivot. You know, sure, I think market not very impressed uh, by yeah, it, is it? Uh, yeah, market potentially not very impressed by it. But, you know, I, I, it's not a huge surprise to see that with all of the points that we've just yeah. mentioned about what people are going through in terms of managing household debt. So that's not a surprise. Do I see this as a, a dramatic pivot? Absolutely not. I certainly feel that the digitalization of wealth management or the acceptance of investing digitally is here it is here to stay it will grow um so so that's the first piece you know the acceptance of people um investing digitally is, is one key trend i think will grow despite the pause today um and the second is the evolution of banking we're seeing here in the uk you know we have had um, you know, the, the banking landscape has been dominated by six mm. incumbent banks for a long period of time, actually. But, I mean, but, but is it such an ev evolution? <laughs> look, at, look at Metro Bank, for example. Well, no, <laughs> no, I was actually just going to come on to, to, yeah. to Metro Bank, not, not to try and pass any <laughs> kind of view on their liquidity uh, or their cap table, but more for, for the point that actually Vernon Hill launching Metro Bank in 2010 
was the start of a banking revolution because it was the first high street bank for 100 years. And then if you fast forward two, three years, we then had two more pieces of legislation, which were the capital requirements legislation and open banking. And then we hit 2015 and we hit this, like, this supernova of UK digital banking where Tide, Revolut, Mondo, as it was then yeah. called, um, uh, launched, you know, quickly followed by Starling, two years later by Marcus, by Goldman, and then most recently uh, JP Morgan, chased by JP Morgan. And, you know, the digital banking piece was, you know, so it, 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 you know, it caught our eye, this, the digitalization of the wealth market, the acceptance of using technology, um, really, really interested us. And I mean, who's next on the hit list? Any, any, more, <laughs> any, any more partnerships? In, uh, you know? No, I, you know, obviously, John, I can't. Um, um, it, it's not about who's. It's not about really who's next. Actually, okay. it's. Um, do it's, these do these deals need a bit of time to bed in to, to sort of well, see how yeah, they yeah, in uh, as well? Yeah, yeah, uh, uh, of course. I think we you know the. You know the the announcements in the press and the clickbait in the press is is great, but you know we we we've got a, there's a lot of work to do here to yeah. deliver these and and actually there's a I genuinely feel like there is a great responsibility for us to really deliver this. Let's talk about the the big buzz in asset management, which is private markets. <laughs> so it is a buzz. It is a buzz. It's a buzz. It, totally agree, John. It's yeah. a buzz, right? Um, I mean, you launched an LTAF product, sort of following on from some of your competitors, yeah. Schroeder's being one of them. That for the DC market. That is, yeah. and, and, and seemingly most, all of the LTAF products are yeah. still focused on, on the DC market. Yeah. Um, you know, how are you looking to sort of leverage that into the wealth market? And there, there has been sort of a murmurings from kind of everyone who's been going into the LTAF market that this might be suitable for, for wealth management yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And there was a bit of legislation that came out as yeah. well fol yeah. following those, those, those releases that the FCA kind of green-lighted that essentially saying, yeah, yeah it could be suitable. Um, so, you know, what's your take on it? Would you get, get a product out there for the wealth market? So um, private markets and wealth portfolios, I do believe in. I, yep. I am a believer. I know there's a lot of buzz and a lot of hype about it. But conversations that myself and my team have with CEOs of, of wealth management firms is private markets is potentially a way to differentiate um, from your get from your competitors number one I think that a lot of a lot of people feel that the investment proposition has become quite commoditized and how do you service and cater for you, your ultra high net worth or your high mm. net or your high net worth set of clients for example um and there is big governmental support rishi was um Mansion chancellor House, i think yeah exactly <laughs> where, where for the yeah. for the ltaf and jeremy hunt is you know very keen on equity market participation and i think that's why we will see some changes to the isa rules that mm. those might be another catalyst john to how does the ltaf fit um, Maybe um, the question, though, from, from my perspective is, is the demand really there? Because we, we do have private market structures in, in the UK. You've got private equity trusts, Investment which are, trust you know, which yeah, are, yeah, yeah, are yeah. trading at massive discounts at yeah, the moment. Yeah. You've also had a lot of tax incentivized uh, regimes. Yeah, you know, yeah, you've got EIS, yeah, 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 loads of them. And, yeah. and the assets in them are pretty small. 
You know, yeah. it's so it's I'm not sure that, uh, yes, I mean, you're right. I think on EIS and VCTs, there probably hasn't been the scaled distribution that maybe an LTAF wrapper provides if a wealth manager looks to distribute it, you know, amongst, you know, there's been such consolidation. You've got, yeah. you know, the pools of assets are a lot bigger to tap into. Um, but I do, you know, conversations I have, the demand is real. Um, private markets, in, you know, delivering private markets platforms or parts of private markets platforms in innovative wrappers to wealth, you know, to a broader set of clients, I think will be, you know, I think if we sit here in, you know, three, four years time, there will be, there will be wealth, LTAFs designed for wealth in the market. Mm. Um, the other, the other kind of piece, which is why I do think so, that... So from your point of view, it's not an imminent push for BlackRock to, to have a, a wealth LTAF in place or, or even using your current LTAF. And, uh, so the LTAF design for DC is, is, is separate, I think. But what we are doing is gauging that demand, yeah. gauging the feasibility. You know, there is, we have, we have structural issues in, in the wealth market from platforms to wrappers to, you know, liquidity requirements, all of those things, but these things are all moving forward. Hmm. Um, so it is a, I think it's a case of when, not if. Sure. To, to, to your point. Yeah. I also look, we, I look at what's happened on the continent with the LTIF wrapper. Yep. That's now a 10 billion uh, Euro market. Um, we, we have we have been successful on the continent in distributing our, our LTIF. And, you know, I see a lot of the dynamics from speaking and going, seeing um, uh, distributors of our LTIFs on the continent, similar problems they were trying to solve for their business. Yep. And that I think, and, and also like, I, th I think, you know, we should be innovating it in ways to, to bring differentiated investment vehicles to clients. And maybe... And it's not going to be for everyone. You know, there's no uh, doubt uh, well about that. Well, of course, yeah. and maybe you could give a bit of insight on the LTIF market. Who, who's buying it? For what kind of clients? So you, when we first started talking about it, you were saying for high net worth, ultra high net worth clients, which is yeah. kind of suggesting people that can afford to lock up quite substantial assets for a long time now even if you're in a kind of if you're in a mass affluent situation mm. maybe you can't st stomach the volatility yeah so it is private assets still for a very small portion of the market yeah so it's certainly not for all but then to come back to your two questions on the continent and the altif i think that the first part is i think the minimum investment into typically the minimum investment or the regulation around and i have to double check this but um, is between 30 and 50,000 euros. Yeah. It started on LTIF 1.0, it started, I think, at 100,000. So, so that has already come down under regulations 30 to 50. So even with that number, yes, it's, but it's, it's a sizable sum. It's, right? it's still a very, yeah. si very sizable sum. Yeah. But you then mentioned lockup. The latest LTIFs that are being coming to market are evergreen. They're not, they're, you know, it's not a five to seven year lockup. These are evergreen and also semi-liquid vehicles, which essentially means you get access to the underlying investments from day one. Um, whereas, because a lot of people don't really want to sit mm. in cash waiting for the money to be deployed, but the regulation, so that market is, that market is moving and, um, and it, is, it is growing in adoption. Anyway, the ultimate thing is, is, there's a buzz. I think there's a buzz for a reason. I think there's, you know, I think we'll hear more from this. 
in this space. I mean, maybe I'm being too cynical. Is, is the buzz driven purely by the asset management industry because it's probably a, a way of making higher margin on products? I think the demand that we, well, you have, we're, we're seeing even private markets being delivered via apps. If you think of Moonfair, yeah, Titan Bay, sure. S64, PM Alpha, Delio, Goji, it's all like of Crowd these. Crowdcube and all yeah, these Yeah, exactly. So, so I don't think any of those businesses come up without the demand, you know, sure, without the demand. Course. So I think, you know, the demand, there is demand there. Um, yeah. And um, yes, it is not going to be like f full ranging and it is not going to be down to the levels of mass affluence that, yeah. that, um, that, you know, the partnerships that we talked about are involved in. But, um, you know, just being reserved for ultra high net worth um, advisory deaths of private banks, it is, it is going to spread further down towards wealth. Excellent. Well, Nick, a pleasure to talk to you. Great to talk to you too, John. Thanks for having me. But today is VE Day. The boys the are crowned queen waves from the belt. Eagle has landed. Apollo 11 has landed. Tearing down the Berlin Wall. Since 1929, the Monks Investment Trust's mission has been to help investors grow their wealth. We aim to do this today by taking a three-dimensional approach to growth. Cyclical growth, rapid growth, and steady growth. The World Wide Web. Wall Street is in turmoil as stocks crash. The Monks Investment Trust, managed by Bailey Gifford. Capital at risk.